save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey, you guys, I am psyched to be back with a brand new season of shows and with some very exciting news. couple things. Okay, first, The Longest Shortest Time is a finalist for a Webby Award, which is basically the Oscars of the internet. And you, you, my friend, you can help us get a People's Voice Award. There are a couple really easy ways to do this. One, if you go to our website, longestshortesttime.com, you'll see a pop-up window asking you to cast your vote. Then just click vote for us. Or if you're listening to the show on your phone right now, you should see a link right in your podcast app on the description for this episode. So just go right in there to that description, click the link, it'll take you to the page to vote. We are up against some pretty formidable competition for best lifestyle podcast. So we need your votes very badly. If we have made you laugh or cry or both on your commute or while you've been up with your kid or doing dishes, show us some love. Vote for us in the Webbies. And thanks. Also, some other big news. Our show is now part of the Stitcher family. We're super thrilled about this. You can find the full roster of Stitcher shows at stitcher.com slash Stitcher Presents. Okay, on with today's show. I found on IMDb, <laughs> here's, how, here's how they describe the, the character that you often play. It says, I've, I, know, I know what you're going to read, and I, couldn't, I don't know who wrote it, but it, it really infuriates me. But please read it. Okay, here it goes. Um, often plays charismatic, but otherwise loud, ignorant, and obnoxious jerks. I'm talking here with actor and comedian Rob Hubel. In what it, but finish the, did you see the rest of it? Oh. In what is usually a smaller or cameo role. Actually, my, yeah. my producer made a point of not including that. She's like, he might be really insulted by that piece. <laughs> oh my God. Who at IMDb was like, let's fucking take this guy down a notch. <laughs> you know? Rob is actually really charming, sensitive even, though he does throw around a lot of F-bombs. So, so this is one to listen to without the kids. And you know, IMDb's right. He does play a lot of assholes. Rob says it all started with one of his first commercials. Hey, Drew. This is a trailer that used to play before movies. Rob played a guy who's always talking way too loud on his phone. Thanks for the invite, Glenn. So inappropriate. Tell you what. Inconsiderate cell phone man led to all kinds of other inconsiderate guy roles. Rob's played cheesy reality TV show hosts, dudes with anger issues, and one of my favorites, a smarmy, obscenely tan Hollywood real estate agent in the film I Love You, Man. 
Go into any Olive Garden, P.F. Chang's Chinese Bistro, TGI Fridays, Fuddruckers. What do they have in the bathroom? Urinal cakes with my face on it. These days, Rob is probably best known for a role where he plays a a complicated asshole, a, a nuanced asshole. On the show Transparent, he plays a dad named Len. He's the guy getting divorced from Amy Landecker's character, Sarah. I want you to listen to your tone when you talk to me. I'll get a tape recorder and I'll play it back for you. Go get a tape recorder. I will. I'll find a store. Good luck with that. Rob has played dads a bunch. He says that none of those roles prepared him at all to be a real dad, which he is now. His first baby was born last fall, almost four months early. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hillary Frank. Premature babies are pretty common. One out of every 10 births comes early. We know that a lot of you have had preemie babies. In fact, we've told some of those stories on the show before. There was a mom who talked about trying to breastfeed her preemie in episode 24. And then we heard from my pal Kirsten in episode 21. But today with Rob, we're going to hear something that we haven't really heard on this show before. We're going to hear a dad's perspective on an early birth. Rob actually reached out because he wanted to tell his story, and I'm so glad he did. Not just because he has something powerful to say, but also because, well, this interview took a turn that kind of threw me for a loop. You'll see what I mean. First, a little about Rob's background and what formed his ideas of parenthood. Rob grew up in suburban Virginia, outside D.C. He had two brothers and a mom and a dad who split when he was 13. Which was, you know, pretty horrible. But uh, especially when you are at that age, I think you don't really get, um, oh, you know, I remember asking, like, did I have some, you know, is it because of us? You know, and your parents are like, oh, my God. Like, can you imagine being asked that as an adult? Like, is it because of us? Like, no, it's not because of you. Um, I, I love that I immediately jump into the divorce of my parents. But Rob's also got plenty of good memories of his parents. He gives his mom a lot of credit for his sense of humor. Like she used to let us stay up late from when we were little kids. We would stay up late and she would um, kind of force us all to watch Saturday Night Live. And, um, you know, we didn't really know what that was. But my mom knew that like that was really funny and relevant. And this is all like back in the 70s and stuff. So, yeah, we all just grew up sort of religiously watching SNL. And then my brothers and I would uh, redo the sketches on SNL like the next week. Like we would sit down and 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 like rewrite them out as best as we could remember them and then do them again, you know, for like for our parents and stuff. My parents were like, yeah, we saw that on Saturday by professional comedians. It was better when they did it. And your dad was an airline pilot. What was your relationship like with him? Uh, my relationship with my dad was really good. I remember going to work with my dad. Like sometimes um, my dad would take us on trips with him and we would fly with my dad. This was back, you know, way back. And like my dad would like s- sneak us into the cockpit. Like not even get you a seat. You would, that's how you would fly. You would be We're in not the recording, cockpit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this was way back before 9-11. I mean, this is like before, like before the space shuttle, you know, this is before anything. But yeah, so my dad would... Uh, take us like on solo trips, like take me by myself or take my older brother by, by himself just to sort of spend time with us. And um, yeah, he would, he would not get us a ticket on the plane. Everyone would, would come down 
the jetway and go uh, take a right and go down to their seats. And my dad would just like grab me and like, <laughs> like smuggle me behind him. And then I sat down and I remember, um, you know, they, they also don't have like a bunch of extra seats up there. I remember like I was sitting on my dad's suitcase in the cockpit. Uh, the only reason I'm saying this, by the way, is because like now my dad is uh, retired and the airline that he worked for is no longer in business. So, <laughs> uh, and by the way, it was not, it did not go out of business because of these, these types of incidents. <laughs> what airline was it? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> uh, so it was called Eastern airlines. Wow. That didn't was, take uh, very much. I had to just not say anything. <laughs> I fold, I fold very easily under questioning. <laughs> Rob started his career in comedy when he was 27 a late bloomer by acting standards. And with falling in love, finding a partner, he was even later. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Rob knew that he wanted a family, but as he hit his 30s, then his mid-30s, it wasn't happening. He watched friend after friend get married and have kids. I did get to the point where I was like, huh, I'm not sure this is going to pan out for me being married or being a dad, uh, you know, you do get to that point in your life where you start to have an honest conversation with yourself of like, what if this doesn't work out? What will I do? And you try to just say, well, you know, I'm sure I'll, I'll be happy. You know, you were telling yourself you would probably be happy, but did it also feel sad to get to that place? I, I don't know that I, I, ever was that honest with myself where I got sad about it. But I certainly thought, I certainly had, um, I would stop sometimes and imagine like, okay, I might just be single my whole life. One day when Rob was 41 and single, he was on set for the Adult Swim show Children's Hospital, which he stars in. He was taking lunch and one of his friends was there and he turned to her and said, hey, you should set me up with someone. And she was like, oh, um, I have the perfect girl for you. And she showed me a picture of Holly, and I was like, "Mm, yes, please. Holly being Holly Hanula. She's an NBC News anchor in Los Angeles, also a model and an actress. And Rob's friend, she said she was up for playing matchmaker. So she hatched a plan. She said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll get everyone to come over to our house for like tacos or something. And it won't be a weird thing. Like, I promise I won't make it awkward. But, you know, then you can like introduce yourself and get to know her and everything. Rob goes to the taco party. Everyone seems to want to talk to Holly. And Rob's like, wait a second. I thought this whole party was a ruse for me. So that like I could kind of, you know, go over and be like, hey, how are you? You know, I guess Kate probably told you that I wanted to meet you. So hello. (laughs) But she had not said anything. Rob didn't get his moment with Holly that night. Everybody watched a movie and Holly fell asleep on the floor. And I was like, oh, boy, this is not going well. Um, but then I don't know, somehow I kept at it and, um, eventually we, we went out and, um, and, and then we got married. Uh, Holly makes me laugh a lot and she makes me laugh really hard. And I think that, um, I, I have a physical addiction to laughing, whatever chemical is produced in your body. When you laugh, I am addicted to that chemical. And, um, and so when you find someone that thinks the same, this is just a small thing, you know, but um, no reason to base a whole marriage on. But, but when, I think that when you find someone who y- you guys think that all the same things are funny, I think that's like a big thing. Coming up, 
Rob gives us a lesson on how to make a baby. Or at least how he made his baby. Yeah, it's exactly what you think. Stay with us. Can you say advertisements? Advertisements. <laughs> Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley. For the love of home. We're back with actor and comedian Rob Hubel. Rob and his wife Holly got married about two years ago. How did you find out that Holly was pregnant? Um, my wife came into, uh, into the guest bedroom where I sleep. We have a very unusual... <laughs> I feel like I'm oversharing. <laughs> wow, Everything I say... <laughs> You just open that way up. <laughs> Everything I say on this podcast just like opens up a. So yeah, you were you were in the guest bedroom where you sleep. <sighs> oh boy! All right, my wife does the news here in L.A., Hillary. <laughs> so she has to get up in the morning at two in the morning to go to work at three in the morning, and she's on the air at four thirty in the morning. Those hours are really tough, and so uh, her schedule is really crazy. So. Um, she often sleeps in the master bedroom, if you must know, <laughs> and I sleep in the, in the guest bedroom. So, uh, one day I woke up, um, to go to work and my wife came into the guest bedroom and she had a really weird look on her face. And I was like, oh boy, I'm in trouble. What did I, and I start going through the list of like, what did I, you know, what did I fuck up? What did I do? She pulled out, you know, a little pregnancy test and she was like, we're having a baby. And, uh, yeah, I immediately like started crying. Hold wow. on. I got to pour, I got to pour myself some water so I don't cry on your podcast. Crying um, happens boy. a lot on this podcast. I might, I might cry. Mm. So yeah. So she told me she was pregnant. We had just been on a, uh, we'd been trying for a while. It's, um, I don't know if you know this, but it's hard to get pregnant. And, uh, especially if you're, yeah, especially I think if you're my age, it's hard to get people pregnant and um it's hard you know and it becomes um less than romantic you know it becomes like okay let's get to fucking you know 
get the get the fuck stick ready. <laughs> and uh, sorry for swearing. Um, I like yeah, that you're so, just you're choosing that one to apologize about. Said <laughs> <laughs> so many worse things, but I'm I'm apologizing for fuck stick. Uh, I think we'd been trying for about a year, maybe. And uh, so we had just been away. We went to Park City, Utah, where in Utah, they love to fuck out there. So we went out there and on a little ski trip and uh, it was like, okay, let's go skiing plus in parentheses, let's have a lot of sex. So we had as much sex as we could possibly have over the course of whatever that is when you're ovulating. It's like, it's such a short window. But so um, my wife had really like gotten pretty scientific about the whole thing of like, okay, it's happening like right now, you know? So, and, and the other thing that I didn't know, which they don't tell you, or maybe I didn't Google the right things is that you can have, have sex before the egg actually drops down. So, so your sperms are actually like blasting there waiting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do that. You guys do that. Have sex before, uh, you know, just so your the sperms are already like hanging out in the smokers lounge and then the egg comes down. Hey everybody. And then they start partying. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we went to, uh, we went on this little ski trip and I'd like to think that that's where we got pregnant. I'm not sure that's where it happened, but I think that that can be the lore. That's yeah. 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 I'll tell, I'll, we'll tell our daughter that she was conceived in Park City. And so, um, so Holly was pregnant and then tell me about the day she was admitted to the hospital. Yeah. So we had, um, uh, everything was going pretty normally. Like we, my wife had had a pretty solid pregnancy, Things were going, uh, no red flags at all. Uh, my wife is really healthy, takes pretty good care of herself. And then um, she had a, a bleeding episode where she suddenly started bleeding. And so we rushed her to the emergency room. But, you know, she uh, she was released uh, that day. She was there for like just that afternoon. And then everything seemed to be fine. And so I think she, she, she might have stayed overnight. But um my wife was fine after that. Uh, um, so she gets discharged and we go about our lives and the pregnancy and everything's normal. And then one day, like six weeks later, we were shopping um, for furniture and we were going to go see a movie. And she came out of the store and she was like, oh, my God, I think I'm bleeding again. And we were thankfully pretty close to Cedars. And so which is where she was going to have the baby. So I rushed her over there and um this time I kind of knew how to kind of BS my way past the emergency room and get her up to the labor and delivery place, the floor. And so my wife was admitted um, with another bleeding episode and they um, initially, they just didn't know. It was really hard because they didn't know what was going on. And uh, this time it was like, I think a lot more blood. So, they kept doing all these tests and um, they basically told us that like, okay, look, we think what's going to happen is you're going to be here on bed rest for the next three months. That This was 26 weeks into the pregnancy. So, um, so a little so more said, than halfway. Yep. A little more than halfway. And they, um, um, they said, I think you're going to be here for the rest of the time on bed rest. And we were like, whoa, 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 what, what's happening? And, uh, actually I remember telling my wife trying to like make the best of it. You're just sort of like trying to manage psychologically, like, okay, we're going to, we got to do this now, you know, we're going to be here for, for the next three months. I remember telling my wife, oh, we'll do a podcast. We'll do a no. podcast for, yes, I swear to God. I told my wife, we're going to do a, a podcast 
about all this. And my wife was like, shut the fuck up. Like, we're not doing a podcast. So they waited. Rob says the doctors didn't know exactly what was wrong. But one theory was that Holly's placenta had become detached. It's called an abruption. And that might be what caused the bleeding. And then so what happens is if, if I think if enough blood hangs out in the womb, uh, your uterus does not like that. And so your uterus starts to contract to get, to get rid of that blood. And so she started having, you know, preterm contractions. And that is uh, not good. <laughs> That's a bad thing. So they, um, they put her on all sorts of different things to try to stop these contractions. And they would stop for a little while. And then they would start back again. And then so they would put her on a different medicine. And then the contractions would come back. And um, so it just became this sort of crazy nightmarish thing of like every day she would be fine. And then every night she would just get terrified because she knew that these contractions would start again. And it was just really, really scary because obviously you don't want the baby to, to come that early. Remember, Holly was only 26 weeks pregnant. A baby isn't even considered viable outside the womb until 23 weeks. And even that word viable is a little misleading. With babies this early, a lot can go wrong. Rob and Holly were scared shitless. But Holly kept getting those contractions. They'd go and stop and go and stop. The first week after Holly was admitted felt like a constant emergency. And she was trying to hold out for like 11 more. But on day eight, the doctors came to Rob and Holly with some news. They said, we just can't slow the contractions down. They were like, this is happening. We can't stop it. This baby's coming. We were like, what? No way. <laughs> That's not exactly what we said. But we said something like, what? Hey, no, let don't do that. They had a doctor from the NICU come and talk to us. And I remember like being confused, like, what? Like, why is this person here? The doctor from the NICU, or neonatal intensive care unit, was there to prepare Rob and Holly for their baby to be born. He explained that the baby would immediately be taken to the NICU for special care. And uh, sure enough, like the next morning, she goes into labor, totally normal, you know, straightforward vaginal birth, the whole thing, uh, screaming, pushing, crying. The baby comes out. My wife screams, she's perfect. And I yelled, happy birthday. To his little girl, born at 26 weeks and five days. You know, there's like a team of all these people that are there because the baby is really tiny. You know, the baby's like under two pounds. The baby's like a pound and 15 ounces or something. So they take her, they like wrap her in like this little um, kind of, I don't know, like a little plastic thing. And like they make sure that she's breathing on her own. That, that's a big thing is like right away. It's like, great, she's breathing on her own. And, you know, so that's like a huge thing. So they like start suctioning her mouth and doing all her vitals and everything. And then they go, okay, dad, come with us. And I'm like, what? Dad. It is Rob's first time being called dad in real life, not on a TV or movie set. He doesn't have time to process it though, because the doctors are grabbing him, pulling him down the hall. And so they, um, it's like this weird ballet that they do. Like all of these, like 20 people, they put her on a tiny little gurney. Everything is tiny. Everything is teeny tiny. They put her on a teeny tiny little gurney and they all just like dance down the hallway with her and everyone's doing their job. You know, like this guy's working the little ventilator thing. This guy's suctioning her. This guy's putting in a little, you know, uh, heart monitor on her. And I say guys, I mean, guys and girls, it's all 
this team of NICU nurses and doctors that are so fucking professional and like they do it every day. They do it so many times, like every day. It's, it's not, uh, unusual to them, (laughs) but to a parent, you're like, what, what, where are you going? Uh, everyone leaves the mom except for, you know, some people, (laughs) some people stay with the mom, but I had to go with them. And so they go down the hallway. We got on the elevator. We go upstairs to the NICU and then they, um, they put her in that little thing that you've seen. It looks like a little incubator. It's called an isolate. It's a little plastic, clear plastic little thing. And they, uh, they keep it dark and moist and humid and um, it has two little arm holes on either side so the nurses can reach in and do everything they need to do. But, um, you know, so basically it's just a totally sterile environment where they just want to keep the baby safe and warm and away from germs while they can do their thing. So I remember like, trying to just, I just wanted to hold her hand. So I like held her hand as they fucking jab her with a IV. So, you know, of course she's like screaming. And of course it's the tiniest, most adorable needle you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it's like the tiniest little needle. There are tiny heart monitors stuck to her chest, a tiny pulse oximeter on her foot to measure her oxygen, and later a tiny feeding tube. There's beeping, buzzing, pricking, poking. Which is um, terrifying to look at because they look so small and so um, frightened and frail. And they're just getting fucking stuck with, with needles and probes and everything. And it's really hard to look at. And so, <laughs> so all you can do is just sit there and like look at them. Robin Holly's baby, like many preemies, was at risk for some serious health problems. For starters, babies that young don't yet know how to breathe. Their lungs are way underdeveloped, so they need to be given oxygen. But sometimes that oxygen support can actually slow down their natural lung development. Robin Holly's baby was also born with a tiny hole in her heart, another very common thing for preemies. The doctors said the hole would heal on its own, but would take some time. Then there's brain development, eye and liver development, motor skills— Preemies are at risk for developmental disabilities in all of these areas. It's a lot to think about on top of all the other new baby worries. By the way, we didn't have a name and because, uh, you know, we thought we had three more months. So we didn't know what we were going to call this person. Rob and Holly were just calling her the baby or the babe or the peanut. And um, so they do this really weird thing. I don't know if they do it everywhere, but they they give you a time, uh, a deadline. They're like, hey, this baby needs a name. Yeah, I think we have, for some reason, it's five days. So you have five days to come up with a name. And we, we're both procrastinators and we're like, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. We got three months. We'll name her in December <laughs> when she was due. And they're like, legally, you have to tell us the name of the baby. And so they forced us. And so we went, we drove around and we, um, we had a short list of names and we went down to LACMA, the um, museum here in LA, and we walked around LACMA. And we came up with Holden. And so we really liked that. Came back and we told them, they're like, great, thank you. Rob and Holly would visit Holden in the NICU, watch her in her incubator. The doctors weren't sure exactly how long she'd need to stay in the incubator, but usually it's until a preemie is considered full term. So for Holden, that would be three months or more. So in between their visits with Holden, Rob and Holly would go home, start doing all the stuff they didn't get to take care of back when Holly was pregnant. Rob built a crib, and they painted the nursery. And Holly had a baby shower, which was nice, having all their friends in one place. It was like a little piece of normal while their daughter hung out in a warming box in the hospital. And and Holden was in the NICU for 117 days. 
Yeah, 117 long days. That is a lot of days. <clears throat> it's a lot of days, you guys. It's almost and four months. What was that time like f- for you? The hardest thing really to me are the first couple of weeks because you can look at the baby, but the first couple of weeks, um, at least for our baby, because she was a what they call a micro preemie, under a certain weight, they're a micro preemie. So they're so little that they don't even want you to touch them. You can't touch them and you can't hold them. And that is the um, all you want to do. You know, So you're looking through this little clear plastic thing at this tiny little person and all you want to do is comfort them, but you can't hold them. They won't let you because they're too little. So eventually they get to a certain stage, a certain weight where they say like, okay, you can touch them. You can like put your hand on them. And so they tell you that the thing to do is to compress, like to sort of squeeze them a little bit because you don't want to like rub them because their skin is so sensitive. So you just sort of like put your hands on them, you know, and that's sort of reassuring or comforting to them. Um, And then eventually, you know, a few weeks later, they're like, okay, you can now start doing um, skin to skin. And so skin to skin is uh, what they call kangaroo care, where they basically you go in there and you take your shirt off and they put up a little screen for you. And, you know, you get to hold the baby on your chest. And um, it's the, you know, it's everything. It's like this this little thing, they snuggle her up on you and, and they put blankets on top of her and you just sit there with her and you hold her and you just like breathe and you try not to cry on them because that would drown them. Uh, I know I really did have that, have that thought. The first time I hold, held her, I remember thinking, I better not cry because my hot tears will like burn the baby. You know, and I don't want salt to like get into her eyes and hurt her. That was my first thought. But um, so you, so eventually you get to the point where you can hold them. And the, the cool thing is that you can go there when your baby's in the NICU, you can go there any time of day. You can go there at like three in the morning and you can hold them as much as you want. And so my wife would, we, we took shifts. And so my wife would go in the morning and hold her for a long time. And then I would go at night. And um, so that was, that was our routine. Holly took a long maternity leave. Rob said no to acting gigs. But he did keep doing his improv show at UCB Comedy Club in L.A. He says being on stage and making people laugh one night a week brought some joy to what was otherwise a really dark time. You kind of have this weird double life where you go back to your normal day-to-day life, but you just feel weird and horrible and like, oh, I shouldn't be out doing this. I should be at the hospital. Each day, Rob and Holly would wait it out, hoping nothing would go wrong with Holden. When you're there in the NICU, you're surrounded by other babies and other families that are going through a similar thing. But obviously, they all came at different ages and weights and have different problems. And um, you kind of become friends with some people, but some people come and go. Like some babies are born, you know, a week premature. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, and, and, you know, there have certainly been families there longer than us and had it have had it harder than us. But we were sort of like, we eventually became like the veterans on the floor. You know, we sort of saw a lot of people come and go. The NICU would hold these little graduations for the babies going home. They'd put them in a stroller and all the doctors and nurses would wave. For Rob and Holly, those graduations were complicated. They were happy, of course, for the NICU graduates, and it made them hopeful for their own situation. But then at the same time, they still had a long way to go. You know, it, it is actually really striking. Um, like if you look at your 
Instagram feed, um, you, you go for a while sort of like looking like you and like how you do on TV. And um, in your acting roles, you know, you're you're often known as this like handsome asshole, you know, but then Ooh, on thank social, you for putting social, handsome in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then on and then on social media, um, you sort of have that persona. And then during this time when when Holden's in the NICU, you suddenly look like, you know, like a worn down, vulnerable wreck, just like any <laughs> new parent. And it's really striking yeah. to see that from like an, an, someone, you know, as an actor. I know it's it's weird because online I have. I've sort of cultivated, you know, for comedy reasons on Twitter. Like I just, I used to just be a maniac on Twitter, just sort of tweeting as like sort of a bizarre observations and hopefully funny stuff. But on Instagram, when I posted um, the first picture with the baby, um, I posted a picture of me holding her. You know, we got this huge outpouring of support that I never expected. And it was like the most beautiful uh, example of like what the internet is supposed to be or what the internet can be. It was really beautiful. And um, it really blew me away. The March of Dimes um, reblogged it or whatever. And uh, so all of these parents that are going through it reached out to us and wrote to us. And um, it was so lovely. And suddenly I was in the middle of like, oh, God, now I can't be, <laughs> you know, I can't post crazy comedy stuff on the internet anymore and on Instagram because, um, you know, there are now all of these like very nice, responsible, concerned parents who have been through this and who are going through this. And so I, I'm, I'm still sort of conflicted about, um, <laughs> about my, my Instagram, which is a dumb, who cares, you know, but, um, to anyone that's going through this um, or has gone through this, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like all you want is reassurance. All you want is someone to tell you like, it's going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Your baby's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. And so you end up spending a lot of time, at least we did on Instagram, like searching hashtags. Like, you know, we would search like 26 weaker or NICU or March of Dimes or like all of the, you know, preemies. We would search these hashtags just to look at pictures of, so we could get rock solid proof that, okay, there, there are other people that have had babies at this age and at this weight and their babies are now fine because people do that. People post pictures of like, this was us back in the NICU and this is my kid now who's seven years old and, you know, look how healthy she is. And people just came out of the woodwork to reach, to reach out to us. Uh, yeah, it was just really cool that like, uh, that the internet can be that, you know. Luckily, everything did turn out fine. Holden was healthy, and the doctor said Rob and Holly could bring her home. They finally got to have their NICU graduation, with the stroller and the doctors and nurses waving and everything. In a minute, life for Holden outside the incubator, plus one of the best-placed fart sounds I think I have ever heard. Don't go away. Advertisements. <laughs> Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. 
Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley. For the love of home. We are back with Rob Hubel. So after 117 days, Holden finally came home. And um, and you you wrote about it on Instagram, and I think you have the post in front of you there. I do, yeah. Can you read it? Fuck you, Hillary. <laughs> Fuck you. Just doing my job. All right. Yeah. So I posted a picture of uh, of us leaving um, the NICU. And it's that picture of when you're driving home with the baby in the back. So I'm driving. My wife's in the back with the baby. By the way, it's totally sexist picture. I could have been me in the back. My wife could have been driving. So don't, you know. Don't beat me up over that. But anyway, it's that picture. And we weren't actually driving. We were at a red light. And I just wrote, uh, breaking news, sneaky NICU baby performs daring jailbreak from hospital. She's now holding very attractive couple hostage in their home. And then I wrote, uh, hello, friends. Want some good news for a change? After 117 days in the NICU, our daughter Holden has come home fart noise um, to keep from crying and our hearts are probably going to explode with joy also quick shout out to science shout out to medicine shout out to insurance get it while you can and congratulations to my badass wife for giving birth to the toughest baby in town you did it babe we got a good one and then i said in parentheses today is our two-year wedding anniversary we should have sex or something ha 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 um, sorry, that only makes me cry. But um, <laughs> what what was that day like when you actually brought Holden home? <sighs> the day that we brought home the baby, Hillary, it's amazing. You, it's crazy. It's terrifying and awesome. And um, our, our our baby, thankfully, is all good to go. She um, the the hard thing for her in the NICU um, ended up being her lungs, you know, because when they come that early, they basically just like their lungs are so underdeveloped. So it takes a long time for them to, to get their lungs like big and strong. Uh, so when we brought her home, she's on a little tank of oxygen, you know, she wears little nose plugs, but hopefully just for a couple months. Um, so that day is, yeah, it's everything. It's everything. It's, 
you know, you are so excited and so terrified. And we brought her in to the house and poor little thing. Uh, she's not a poor little thing. She's a fucking badass. She's a, she's a, a total badass little monster that is so strong and opinionated and fierce and like stronger, fucking way stronger than me. I, like my baby doesn't cry about shit. Was it weird to, you had gotten used to having like a whole staff around. Yes. Yeah. It's really hard because you, um, you become very accustomed to these people in the, all these nurses, you know, basically every nurse in the NICU, they have, I think they're, they have just like two babies, uh, at their command. And so they're sitting there hovering around their two little babies. And so they're right there if anything goes wrong and it's awesome. They really are heroes and, uh, they got the best care. And so when you leave there, you suddenly realize you are on your own and you now have what is, I'm sure, the world's most expensive baby. Like I've never seen our hospital bill, but I'm sure it's in the millions. It's got to be over a million dollars. So thank you, insurance, for picking that up. And um, thank you, Obamacare. No, I don't have Obamacare, but I'm sure that uh, it's great. Anyway, uh, so... Yeah. So you go home and then you are on your own and you're like, oh boy, I hope I don't screw it up because a lot of people have worked really hard to keep this baby healthy and strong. So I don't want to be the one to mess it up. Rob hasn't messed it up. Things are going really well. Holden's still weaning off her oxygen and she gets visits from a physical therapist and an occupational therapist, but she's making progress. She's been home for over 10 weeks now. And Rob says those hospital memories are starting to fade. Now, Rob's not the dad of a preemie in the NICU. He's just a dad, a non-asshole crybaby dad. And while Rob claims he'll never let his daughter see his comedy, he is excited to start introducing her to his world. Listen, we're at the point where, you know, we've been so scared uh, to like that, you know, after you go through this, you just, you, you worry that like you're going to do something to get the baby sick or something like that. But we've been like, really trying to keep her safe and get her big and fat. And um, we just recently started like taking her outside, like in the stroller and in the little um, carrier thing. And so just to go outside and show her the sky and the trees and the grass, her mind is blown. Like you can look at her and she's like, wait, what? There's something beyond the ceiling. There's stuff besides this couch or this bed or this, you know, this crib. So that has been amazing. So to show her like, you know, cool movies and stuff, I can't wait. I cannot wait to take her to a movie. And then of course, five minutes into it, she will poop in her pants and we'll have to leave, but that'll still be great. Rob says Holden recently started smiling and laughing. So he spends most of his time trying to make her smile and laugh. His jokes for baby are apparently 100% clean. He tells us, of course I don't swear anymore, period. I have a child now, so I change my ways, which I 100% believe. We've got photos of Rob looking like a vulnerable mess along with his beautiful wife and baby on our website, where you'll also find resources for parents of preemies. That's at longestshortesttime.com. And while you're there, we want to hear from you. Did you have a surprising childbirth experience? We're especially looking for dads here. Come on, dads. We know you have something interesting to say about what went down in the delivery room and after. Share it all in the comments for this episode. That's episode 
118. And people, do not forget to cast your vote for us in the Webbies. This podcast is produced by me, Hillary Frank, with Abigail Keel and Kristen Clark. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and Jared O'Connell. Our technical director is the Reverend John Delore. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov and directed by Allison Leighton Brown. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado, Antonia Akatunde, and Rekha Murthy. Special thanks this week to Zach Dinerstein, Ryan Connor, and Lily Sullivan. Next week on The Longest Shortest Time, we hear from single guys who want kids. I want to be broke because you have you need to have braces. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Sometimes when I hear those answers, I have kind of like softcore porn music playing in my ears. Andrea Salenzi from the great dating podcast YOY will be here to talk about the focus group she did to find a date. I, I mean, to do research on those elusive single guys in New York who want to be dads. Actually, I edit Andrea's show and this whole thing was my fault. Tune in next week to hear the awkward results. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. And we're especially looking for stories about kid entrepreneurs. We want to hear about all the weird businesses you started as a kid. Maybe you sold potholders at the end of your driveway like I did. Maybe your kid is selling slime on the internet like my 11-year-old babysitter. I hear that it's a trend. We want to hear successes, failures, send them all, plus any surprising story about family and parenthood. Just go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story. Why do chips that crunch louder actually taste better to us? Do restaurants make smaller sandwiches for women than men? And what can architects teach us about dumplings? I'm Dan Pashman from the Sporkful Podcast, where we obsess about food to learn more about people. We cover every aspect of food, from culture to science to plain old deliciousness. The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. Subscribe now in Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.